morning, everyone. The uh, blessings of the day and the coolness of the day is interesting, but uh, we're here and we're happy to be here. <laughs> um, two messages kind of at one time because one is very short. Uh, one is, uh, well, the title of the two together kind of is how to share the good shepherd's gifts. You know, that's Jesus. How to share the good shepherd's gifts, but also how to share your faith. Kind of combination, putting those two together. Um, getting it from Jesus and then being able to give it on to others. Well, this uh, is really from the 23rd Psalm. So, you know, that's pretty short. So if you want to turn to the 23rd Psalm and just keep a marker there so that you're ready for me. And I'll uh, add on a few other verses as we go to uh, talk about it. But the 23rd Psalm is about the Lord is my shepherd. So that would be very fitting. Um, the first verse I'd like to read, and some of these are written out. I've got it written out. Some I don't. Uh, Jesus said in John 10, verse 11, uh, that uh, he said it this way, I am the good shepherd. So when you go back and are reading the 23rd Psalm about the shepherd, you realize it's really talking about Jesus and it's foretelling of what Jesus would do being here and for us and taking care of us. But he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Interesting discussion about it. If you go there with me to, uh, to John 10, keep your finger or marker here in Psalm because I'll be back just momentarily. But John chapter 10, I want to read a couple more verses there. Chapter 10, verse 14. Uh, also repeats the idea that he's the good shepherd. 14 says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Both ways. He knows the sheep, he knows who they are, and they know him in a very personal way that they will know him. And verse 20, 28, verse 28 says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I love that idea, that thoughts, that this is Jesus talking, that uh, my sheep know my voice in verse 27, 28. He says, I'm going to give them eternal life. Nobody is going to be able to pluck them out of his, his hand. And also I want uh, verse, the next verse. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. It's like, okay, I got Daddy here behind me. Nobody's going to get him out of my hand. But if there's a inkling of it, I got Dad back here. <laughs> my Father. And they won't get him out of my Father's hand. That's double protection from the Heavenly Father and from Jesus Christ. I wanted also to catch some from Isaiah because Isaiah has so much about Jesus. So go with me to chapter 40, and I'm going to read 40 and 41. Isaiah 40, 
This will kind of set the stage for uh, the 23rd Psalm. First in chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40. I want to look at verse 3 and 11 and, and so on here. Um, so verse 3, chapter 40, verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a pathway for our God. When you're reading in, in the New Testament, you're reading about uh, John the Baptist, and you say, well, where did he come from? Oh, it's right here in Isaiah. Wow. So he was foretold. That's why people in the New Testament, they came to John the Baptist and said, well, who are you? They said, somebody sent me. I, I was reading these last night. Whoever sent us, they didn't want to say the Pharisees had sent them. <laughs> but those that sent us want us to ask you this question, who are you? And he said, well, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm not the one that was sent to be the Savior of the world. I'm not him. I'm not the promised one. I'm not this, I'm not that. He went through saying that he wasn't those. And uh, they kept asking, you know, what are you? Well, this is who he was. It was predicted right here in Isaiah. Uh, verse 11 also is a good one here. Uh, you need to read in between, of course, of how the good shepherd would be and how the shepherd would take the uh, the little ones and so on, be careful with them. But verse 11 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs in his arms and carry them uh, in his bosom and shall gently lead them those that are with young. So he, when you're moving the animals and you got the little ones with them, you can't move them as fast because the little ones can't walk that fast. And he would be gentle with them or carry the little one, carry them with him. Uh, in verse uh, 22, I wanted just the first words of verse 22. Uh, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Oh, yes. When I was in this chapter, I just couldn't leave this one. You need that verse tagged and say, I, I, when I need to find it, I want to know where it is. It's right here where it talks about John, Jesus and John the Baptist. But the circle of the earth, God, or Jesus, the creator, can sit on the circle of the earth. That means the earth is round. It's like a ball. And supposedly they didn't know that until the you know, 1700s or something rather crazy. Uh, here it is in the Bible, before Christ, <laughs> that the earth is not a flat plane. It's a circle, a globe. Anyway, I, I thought that's a free one. I just throw that few words in. Now I want to look at verse uh, or Isaiah 41 in verse 41, uh, chapter 41, Isaiah 41 and I want to look at verses 10 sometimes you come across these and you just say wow look at this from verse 10 on down the next 10 verses count up how many times it says I will it is amazing it's the Heavenly Father what he's going to do I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. There's 13 times in 10 verses. You just need to know where it is. Okay, So mark yourself a note or something there that you'll remember that one. Then I want to go to 1 John because I want to get back to uh, uh, John chapter 1, I should say. John chapter 1. 
verse uh, 19 through 28. 1 John. John 1. I always put the turn that around, don't I? John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. All the way down after that, I just want to talk a little about it. Here's where they came and uh, the Pharisees came. The Jews sent the priests and Levites to Jerusalem to ask him, John, who he was. Who art thou? In verse 19. And then uh, he said uh, that he was, he, he would confess and not deny, I am not the Christ. You see, this was so well known from the Old Testament scriptures that it's no wonder they could come to Jesus and challenge him on certain things. And they knew he was coming. They knew the time frame when he would come. If they used Daniel, they'd know the exact date when he was going to, well, exact, within so-and-so. They expected a prince to come, and he came as a baby. Okay, spoiled that idea. <laughs> but then later when he rode the, uh, the baby donkey into the temple, oh, this is him. Oh, no, no, we don't want to believe that. You know, we, he came from Nazareth. You know, we know his mom and dad. We know his brothers and sisters. They wouldn't accept it that this was the Messiah. And yet these verses are right here. Well, they, they knew enough to come and ask John, are you the one that was sent? Are you the Messiah? And he said, no, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ, which would be the Savior of the world, the Messiah, from the Old Testament thinking and reasoning. Uh, and then they said unto him, uh, are thou Elias? Oh, they knew enough scriptures in the Old Testament that Elias had to come first. He said, are you Elias? No, no, I'm not him. Art thou that prophet? Again in verse 21. Are you that prophet? He said, no, I'm not. Not that prophet. Then they said unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to those that sent us. Told us to ask who you are. And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As, um, as saith the prophet Elias. A little different spelling of Elias and Elijah, or Elias and um, Isaiah, to be a, a bit of trouble. But one, the New Testament is in Greek. The Old Testament is in Hebrew. So sometimes you get a little bit of tug of war here, but uh, it's not too bad to say, okay, that's who they're talking about. And he said, I'm the one that came from the wilderness, crying, make the way straight, um, the way of the Lord straight. And then they said, oh, no, this can't be. Uh, why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, or nor Elias, nor that prophet? Why are you baptizing people? You know, they're going to try to get on his case. He said, well, there's one coming after me that will baptize. You know, and he explains more about that. So you might want to read down there all the way to, uh, uh, well, further down the chapter at least till the subject changes. Interesting to see how he doesn't take any credit for himself. He is saying, I'm not the Messiah, but he is coming. Uh, so he could go all the way down to, uh, actually to verse 36 is part of that story. But the lamb, in fact, yeah, that's why I marked this for me. Uh, John said, if he saw, he was, he was warned ahead of time of God that if he saw the, the, uh, 
Holy Spirit descending as a dove on somebody. That's the Christ. That's the Messiah. That's down in, uh, uh, in well, 32, yeah, 32 and, and then on down. But it's interesting that when you get down to uh, 35, the next day after John stood, after he'd been talking with those guys and two disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, saith, Behold the Lamb of God. You can connect that right back to um, the idea of shepherd and lamb, and so you can relate back to what the subject was about. And he was the lamb to be slain right from the foundation of the whole story, from the foundation of the world. So let's go to um, the 23rd Psalm, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the Old Testament, that would be the, the uh, God of heaven, the Yahweh, God. He is our shepherd. And yet we know that Jesus is depicted as the shepherd as well in the New Testament. So anybody can be a shepherd, but there's one that is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Uh, sheep don't have to worry about tomorrow. They just want to be taken care of, right? They just want to be in the right place. And uh, so they don't have to worry. Where We do. We shouldn't. We worry about the future. We shouldn't. God's got it all in charge, right? God knows what's happening next. And God's going to know when it's going to end and it's going to stop things from happening. In Philippians 4 and verse 19, it says, But my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's the one we got to hang on to. God knows what's happening. God will take care of us. He will supply all the way through all the things that we're going to need. Again, in the uh, Psalm 23, second verse, it says, He uh, maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. I'm going to read sometimes just part of those verses. I had to memorize this when I was young. It's only short six verses. But we should. Because it helps us to understand that we are like sheep. They can become hot, tired, and they want to lay down in a cool place, shaded place. And the shepherd knows that. The shepherd will take them and lay them down in a, in a place where there's green grass and water nearby probably and uh, the, the coolness of shade and so on. He's going to find the best, play, best place for them. The sheep are afraid of fast-moving water. They get excited because they don't know what to do with it. They want to have calm wire, calm area where they can get a drink and be comfortable by it. Sometimes we need to be drawn aside, don't we? And put into a restful position to meditate and to pray, to be uh, with the Lord with serenity, quietness and peace and comfort to uh, recognize the Heavenly Father. Where we can lay down in the green pastures, that's the calmness of it all. We can rest and have peace. Psalm 23 in verse 3 says, He restoreth my soul. 
gives us strength, revives us through the natural causes of rest and serenity and peace. And so when he restores our soul, our spiritual life, as well as physical life. And that's another thing of uh, sheep. I guess they don't see very well. So uh, they would be more timid about things because they don't see what's actually happening. And they have poor sense of direction. If you've ever seen the sheep going, they usually follow something and they all go in, you know, the whole thing at one time. They seemingly don't go on their own because they don't see that well. They're likely to fall in a ditch, be up on a hill where they shouldn't be. There's no food up there. Why would they go up on the rocks? But um, sheep need a shepherd. The Lord will restore our strength. And the shepherd, in the old days, they would have to have along ointments and salves and things to uh, help the poor little animals to feel better and to be healed. Uh, the Heavenly Father and, and Jesus Christ being our shepherd both uh, will keep us on the safe way and not on a rough way or in the dark. He keep us safe. Again, Psalm 23 verse 4 says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Safety. Everybody wants safety. When you be able to lay down, rest, sleep. And uh, David is saying that about the sheep. The rod, I was going to bring a club along today, which they might have had back there in David's time. But they would have taken something like a branch of a tree or something that's pretty sturdy as a walking stick. And that's to fight off the wolves <laughs> and the bears and so on. Uh, they had a slingshot along. If you read about David, how he took care of the, the animals for his family, um, those things are there, how he fought the, the bear and fought the lion and so on. They also had another lighter stick that would be used for uh, uh, maybe with a crook on it. They could heat the uh, the wood and bend it or they'd make it out of metal, but... Uh, poorer folks would have had uh, branches that you could either find with a crook in it or actually heat it with water and so on and hot situation and they could bend it, mold it. And that was for helping the animal out of a bad spot. Getting him out so that you can help him and bring him healing. So there, we don't have to worry about evils because the Lord's already got it figured out. He's already got it, the protection needed. Uh, the Lord will sustain us. Thou preparest a table before me, it says in Psalm 23, verse 5. You know, the table for a sheep, what would you have? Well, there's some bad weeds that can make an animal sick. And if you had a field that you were taking them to that was surrounded, you know, your farmland or whatever, you'd make sure that those bad weeds weren't there. And if there was rocks in there, they'd take the rocks out of that field and pile them for a border. That's how their fences were made to keep the animals in. So the, preparing the table, we can think of the food for the sheep, mainly good grass. Not poor, miserable stuff, but good grass. Um, the wounds, of course, having oil, ointment oil for the wounds and for uh, the healing and cleansing of the animal. And then the security, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is in Psalm 23, verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, we need to move in. 
take up residency and be willing to be there in the Lord's house and to be where he would have us and want us to be. Security and all that's there. Everybody needs that kind of home, place to call home. A really great thought on that idea of uh, security. Turn with me to Revelations. I'm going to leave Psalm now. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. A couple of verses that came to my mind here with security. Uh, Chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, and verses uh, 2 and 3, and then we'll jump down to verse 7. Uh, These are all good reading that you could do um, completely right through. But I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the uh, tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and he and be their God. The thought here was a couple of things. One, coming home and a place of security and safety in the beyond, in the future. Uh, It doesn't say we're up in heaven. A voice came out of heaven. But it says that God is coming to be with us. The new Jerusalem is coming down. God is going to be here with us. And then he's going to be with his people. And it's going to be God himself, the last words of that, uh, shall be with them and will be their God. It's not that we've gone anywhere and God meets us somewhere else. It's going to be here where the holy city comes down, the new Jerusalem comes down. And verse uh, 7 here as well. Uh, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. We're not going anywhere. We we overcome things here on earth. We're going to inherit what's here. If it's all destroyed, uh, that's not much of an inheritance, is it? He's going to leave us after it's all destroyed and burnt and whatever. That's not the thing. There's something new happening with the new Jerusalem, the new situation that's going to be here. And uh, we'll inherit all things and I will be his God. It's... uh, It's not us having to be his. It's a two-way thing, right? That he will be our, and we will be his son. Uh, A lot of friendship and companionship there. Chapter 22, which is just a page over here. Chapter 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Wow. It doesn't say that we're going somewhere to find the city. It's right here. We're blessed if we do his commandments. And we all ought to know what that is. And that's an earth thing. They that have, they will have the right to the tree of life. That was on the earth before. Here we are again. The tree of life. That they may enter into the city the holy city that came down out of heaven. Wow, a lot of really good stuff in just one verse. That's where I'm going to end on, on the idea of the, uh, the shepherd taking care of us. Now, we need to share our faith with others. 
give it away, is the way I look at it. We need to give away. And of course, that verse right away came to me about uh, Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8 says, um, preaching and freely ye have uh, received, freely give. Whatever we've given to us, we need to tell others. That's preaching. Like we need to tell everybody. Don't preach at me, they say. You know, Got to be kind of careful how we word our things, right? But we need to tell others. That's preaching. Tell others of our faith. And that freely we got it. Freely we ought to give it away. Okay? So that goes with sharing our faith. So turn with me to Titus. I like this little guy. Little Titus, little book of Titus. <laughs> um, let's start with uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and then 7 and 8. So chapter uh, 2, verse 1. But speak thou the things which becometh sound doctrine. Some don't want to hear doctrine. Well, why is it here then? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. We need to know what the doctrine is. And, and it should be, there's evidently bad doctrine and there's good doctrine and then there's sound doctrine and there's milk doctrine. You know, we, we need the sound, strong doctrine. Speak those things that are sound doctrine. And then he tells who to say it to, the aged men and the aged women and so on. So let's skip down to verse 7 and 8. In all things show thyself a pattern of good works. And most people, most churches, don't want you to say the word works. I don't want you to have anything to do with it. Well, it's here that we need to have a pattern of good works, good behavior, good mannerism, good things that we've been doing for the Lord. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. In doctrine. Wow. we got to know this book. we got to understand what it is. What is doctrine? Sound doctrine. Good, good stuff. Verse 8 is sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, not having, having no evil thing to say of you. You've done it right, you're doing it well, and so there's nothing they can pick on to point something at you. Wasn't that what Jesus, they had to get false witnesses? <laughs> there's nothing that he did wrong, so they had to try to get some false witness. So, uh, yeah. So we need to be uh, of that same type. So when we're sharing our faith, there's a couple of, well, five, six things maybe. We need to be friendly. We need to be forgiving. We need to be fearless. We'll find a verse on that. We need to be fervent. and We need to be faithful uh, to be able to share our faith with others. Being friendly, a man that hath friends must himself be friendly, as in Proverbs 18, verse 24 we used to say that uh, you have to be a friend, be friendly, be friends, before you're going to have a friend. If you're not friendly, not uh, entertaining friendship, just for somebody to be able to come to you to be a friend, you'll never have a friend. Okay? We need to be friendly to others, to show himself that he's friendly. Jesus was never failing as a friend. He talked to this one and he talked to that one. He felt sorry for this one. He felt sorry for that one. He met the lady at the well when his disciples came. He said, why are you talking to her? You know, this sort of, it was unusual. 
that he was friendly to everybody, whether they were faithful or whether they were not so faithful. And uh, whether they had a pure, clean, perfect life or not. She had a problem. But he was able to talk with her. And she went out witnessing very quickly. I guess you could say uh, the first Gentile witnesser. <laughs> witnessing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then there's uh, the thought in uh, Proverbs 18, verse 24. And part of the verse says that Jesus... Uh, is one that sticks closer than a brother. Sometimes family members are not as close as a real friend. And this friend that we're talking about is Jesus. He'll never let us down. So Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We too must be friendly, cordial, hospitable, and warm, warm-hearted if we are to bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I guess the goal is, how do I get to that person? You know, in a worldly way, we say, what can I do to draw them closer to me so that I'll be able to witness to them? Uh, or that I can get my ideas across. How do, how do I get to them to bring them close, to be able to witness? And what's the end result? The Heavenly Father gets glorified. If they find salvation... Wow, we've given them everything. You gave them a heritage. You've given them wealth. You're son of the one that's really got the money, really got the wealth to inherit from. We've really given them something in worldly terms even. We've given them eternal life by bringing them to Christ. That is a phenomenal thing that we can give by being friendly. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. Uh, be forgiving. In uh, Ephesians 4.32, it says, and uh, I wrote part of it here and part of it there. I think I got it. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Well, aren't those nice words? If we could just be that all the time. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's why we got forgiveness. And we know that we were in a pretty bad spot. Some say that you're going to end up in a hot place that rhymes with swell. <laughs> uh, we know where we were headed, and we've been saved from that, that God will forgive us. In Hebrews 10 and verse 17, uh, it says that he, um, their sin and their iniquities I will remember no more. That's fantastic to know that that blessing is there for us, that he'll not remember them anymore. We must forgive others. No, don't hold resentments. And forgive others that uh, God can forgive us. Remember in Matthew 6, I think I don't need to look that one up, Matthew 6 and 14 and 15. Matthew 6, I think I talked about part of that uh, chapter, or mentioned the chapter last week. This is the uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7. First you start with the Beatitudes. Okay, so this is Jesus' first sermon, Sermon on the Mount. Well, let's look at chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15. 
For if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Oh, that's a good reason. We would like to be forgiven. I guess we better start with forgiving others. But if you forgive not men their transgressions, neither your Father forgive you your transgressions. Trespasses. If somebody else trespasses against you, you need to forgive them, is what it's saying. And if you won't, how do you expect to get better elsewhere? God will forgive you. But well, don't take a chance on saying, oh, let's see, uh, I've got this and this. You, know, you, you, you don't make a checklist, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and hope that God's going to forgive you. You need to start the other way around, right? Forgive the people that are around you, people that are with you, and their transgressions against you, trespasses, transgressions, forgive them first. And then it's an obvious thing that the Heavenly Father will forgive you. We need to be fearless. Um, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Ye are even my witnesses. That comes from Isaiah, would you believe? And 44 verse 8. Isaiah. Sometimes they speak of the second Isaiah or the the New Testament of Isaiah part. Okay, there's kind of this part of Isaiah and then there's this part of Isaiah and it's really different. So we need to read both. There is a God... Yeah, that's a question. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. That's right there in Isaiah as well. But you can be my witnesses. Then looking on a little further here, Jesus was never afraid. He faced opposition boldly and and courageous. Uh, there's only one time when they were going to push him over the hill, I guess. And he made it so that they couldn't tell who he was. And he walked through the crowd and got away. But he didn't do anything in, his, in defense of himself other than that. His message of salvation came through loud and clear. He didn't beat around the bush, I guess you could say. He gave that message. We should too. We should learn from the Lord and be dauntless with courage we should always be ready to witness the saving power of Jesus Christ. We should have those thoughts, those Bible verses in our minds so we're ready to witness of, of Jesus. So turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. In verse... Uh, 29. I'm going to take one here and I'm going to move back one chapter, believe it or not. But chapter 5, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. That's bold. That's fearless. Wow. And they were talking to the head of the church and they could do all sorts of bad things to them. Stone them or uh, reject him from ever going into the temple. 
That's like saying you don't, you don't get uh, eternal life anymore. You can't go to the can't go to pray. You can't go in there. Well, let's go back to chapter four. Chapter four and verse nineteen. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye. Okay, you want me to do what? You want me to obey you rather than the Heavenly Father? He said, is it right that it should be this way around? Uh, you, you be the judge. You can figure this out. You be the judge. So you can see where he had to stand his ground. Heavenly Father was right, and they were wrong. And then, of course, later he stood up again and said, is it better? You know, I, I need to obey God rather than man. So we need to be ready at that as well, to be fervent in our faith. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord is in Romans 12, verse 11. So let's take a look at, at uh, Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. A great chapter. Sometimes when I'm making the sermon, I kind of get carried away. Roman, uh, Romans. Where did I go here? Romans chapter 12. Tried to stop by an axe. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, I want to look at verse 9. And kind of the last part of verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. We need to push aside some things in our life. Push it aside, get it out of the way. And cleave, hang on to, get close to and be strapped to it or whatever you might say, hang on to it, that which is good. Verse 10 and 11, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. There is so much strength in that one verse. Be kindly affectionate. How, how much affection? How much love? How much feeling is involved in one another? The brotherly love, one to another. In honor, preferring one another. Uh, let you go first. You take, you know, it's not because there's danger ahead, but let you walk first. <laughs> but it's a, it's preparing for one another in a way that we care about one another. We're careful with people, careful of, of our friends and, and church family members that are real love. And then uh, I want to go a little further in this reading, uh, down about another five chapter, five verses. Not slothful in business. Business of the Lord, business of, with mankind. Fervent in spirit. Oh boy. You can't just slough along with a spiritual life, neither. We need to be fervent with it. Serving the Lord, not, not just going along with the Lord, but actually serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, that's hard to do. Continuant, con, uh, continuing in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, Bless them that persecute you. Oh, are you sure about that? Do we have to do that too? 
Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That's real comfort, real love being shown. Be of the same mind one toward another. It goes on. But isn't that the way it should be, that we should be mindful of one another, caring for one another, helping one another, rejoicing together, weeping together. That's a, a, being fervent about our spiritual life. So Jesus didn't do things that would be discouraging to uh, others around him, despondent of their, their concerns or depressed. He never got depressed. He taught great truths of salvation with enthusiasm and with zeal. Spoke up, talked strongly. Be faithful, he said. We need to be faithful. Fear none of these things. Um, You can read more if you wanted to from this uh, Revelation 20 and verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. So fear none of these things. And then there's some things put there, right? And I put three dots from Revelations chapter 2 and verse 10. Fear none of these things. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. That's our goal. That's where we want to be going. Jesus was devoted to the task of helping, healing, and serving others. Just anything you read about Christ, all the things that he did, where he went, what he did, what, why was he there, what did he do when he was there? Went to church and there was a lady come in that was crippled over, bent over, and he said, she's been so many years uh, hindered by Satan, can't we let her loose today? He was concerned about individual people and their concerns, how they felt. The man that had a withered arm, he said, stretch out your hand, and it became... Good. And he could do those good things for others, serving others. He was faithful unto death even when worse came to worse, you might say. Wrongly accused, wrongly judged, wrongly put to death. Thus making salvation possible for all mankind. We should be faithful to the task that has been set before us. We each have been given a task. What our life means and what our life is for and what we can do with our life for the Heavenly Father, that's what we need to do. And what did we find at the end? We read the verse today. There'll be a crown waiting for us. May God bless you.